I want to thank the girls very much for coming and singing tonight. I don't think I've heard that second piece, and it's lovely, and that is what we're all about tonight. We're here to preach the gospel and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to turn in our Bibles in just a minute, and we're going to look at the message that the Lord has laid on my heart to bring before you tonight. Uh, but before we do that, we'll just pray once again to God and ask him for his help. For uh, I do know that I need his help this evening to bring his message to you. Dear Lord and gracious Heavenly Father, again we thank you that we're here, Lord, to hear your word. Lord, we thank you for the words of this song that we've just heard, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we realize it's that good news of the gospel that's still saving souls today. And Lord, as we look at this message tonight and the portion that you've given us, we pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be my words that would be heard, but Lord, that you would speak directly to the heart of each man and woman, boy and girl that are gathered in this evening, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to prepare our hearts to listen to what you have to say. Lord, we thank you that you do speak to us through your word, Lord. We just pray now, Lord, that you would indeed receive the glory. Amen. I'm going to speak on a portion of scripture tonight that uh, quite a number of you will, will know. And if you don't know the portion of scripture, I'm sure, pretty sure anyway, that you've heard the story before, the historical account. And it is one of Noah and the ark. You might have noticed earlier on when we were doing the, the children's courses we sang, it was a wee bit of a giveaway on what I was going to speak on tonight. But if you want to turn together to the book of Genesis in the chapter 6, and we'll read together. If you have your Bible there, we'll read together. If not, there's, and you want to read along, there is black Bibles in the, in the pew in front of you there. It's the first book of the Bible, so it's easy to find, Genesis chapter 6, and it will read together. I'm going to have to do something that I'm only getting used to, and I'm going to have to put on these pair of binoculars to try and read this. Okay. And it reads like this. And it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all at which they had chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of, the, of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made, made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beasts, and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord." These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jabez. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in it, in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, 
and the breadth 50 cubits, and the height 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make on the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life for under, from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife, and thy wife's sons with them. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall I bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after his own kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him to do so. And the first verse of chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee I have seen righteous before me. In this generation. Just to give you a, a bit of a background to how we've arrived here at Genesis chapter 6 um, and the events leading up to it, of course, in Genesis chapter 1, we have God's creation, how God made the heavens and the earth and all that it is, is in it. And He formed it and He looked at it and He said, It is good. God was pleased with His creation. In Genesis chapter 2, here we find Adam and Eve. The first man and the first woman, and God has placed them upon the earth. He made Adam from the dust of the ground, and he made Eve from, from the, the rib of Adam. And then we move on to Genesis chapter 3, and we see something happening here. Because it says in the Garden of Eden there was a tree that the man was not allowed to eat of. It was a tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, Adam and Eve were told they were not allowed to eat of that fruit, or they would surely die. But... Satan came along and tempted Adam and Eve on the head of that tree in the garden. And it's in chapter 3 and verse 6 of Genesis that sin enters into the world. You see, God said if they had of that tree of knowledge and good and evil, they would become wise um, and they would be able to make their own decisions. But the result of that was that they would sin. And from that point on, sin entered into the world. And as a result, every man and woman that is born into this world is born with sin in their lives. It is not something we get as we go along. We are born with sin in our lives. And of course, when we move into Genesis chapter 4, we see the sons of Adam, Cain and Abel. And we see the result of sin in that Cain actually kills Abel. And we can see how the world starts to spiral very quickly. And then moving on to Genesis chapter 6, Approximately 1,500 years later, we find that God says that the world is desperately wicked. From the start of creation, when he said it was good, now the world is desperately wicked. Tonight, I want to look at two topics as we go along, and we'll build on them as we go along. The first topic that I want to look at is a challenge for those of us that are saved tonight, a challenge for those of us that have already asked Jesus to take control of our lives, have asked for our sins to be forgiven and are living for, the, for him. The second is a challenge to the unsaved in the meeting tonight. This story of Noah is a perfect account of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll see that as we go along. 
So let's look at the first challenge for believers. The first thing I want to notice is that it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There in chapter 6 in the verse, the, the verse 8 it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then in verse 9 it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. And then I read on just to cover that one verse in chapter 7. And it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee I have seen righteous before man. So here straight away we have this man Noah living in a world full of sin, full of destruction and full of evil. And it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah walked with the Lord. Noah talked with the Lord. And Noah was looking to see and to seek the will of the Lord. He was a willing disciple. I wonder tonight if God was to look down in this meeting. Dear believer, what would he say of you? Could he say that you walk with him? What do I mean by that? Do you walk with him and do you talk with him? Do you read your Bible and do you pray? I wonder if he was looking down tonight and see you, what he would say about you, or maybe those listening online tonight, what could God say about you? Do you walk with him and do you talk with him? You see, God was looking for somebody on the earth to do a job for him. God had a task for Noah, but in able to be able to do that task, Noah needed to be willing. I wonder if God had a task for you tonight, believer. Would you be willing? If God was to speak to you tonight and ask you to do something for him, would you be willing to do it? I'll leave you to answer that inwardly as we look on a little further in the chapter. I want to look at that again, unbeliever. We've read how the world was desperately wicked. In verse 5, it reads, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts of his heart were evil continually. In verse 11, it says, And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. In verse 13, it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them. As I've said, as we looked through here, the world has spiraled into a state of disarray. God is still in control, but people have turned their backs on the Lord. They're doing their own things. You know, that's no different to the way the world is today. Men and women are doing their own thing. They're not giving God the attention that he deserves. The creator of the heavens and the earth is not being praised, honored, and lifted up. They're disobedient to him. We, read, or we said there, as we mentioned about in Genesis chapter 3, of how sin entered into the world. And we're all born with sin. Men and women are full of their own sin. Maybe you say to me tonight, do you know, I'm not a bad person. You can't put me in, the, the, in with these wicked and corrupt and violent people. I wonder if we took a, a walk in Jonah's time, town around this time, what we'd see. I'm quite certain we'd maybe see good people in that time. I'm sure we might even see people that are charitable or kind. But the Lord does not make three distinctions. He only makes two. The two distinctions are the people that are desperately wicked and disobeying him or Noah who was righteous. 
You see, when God looks down, he only sees two things. He sees those that are saved, those that are born again, that have this problem of their sin dealt with, and those that aren't. Those that haven't obeyed him and haven't called unto him for salvation. I wonder tonight, which side are you on? Have you obeyed God? Have you sought him for salvation? We're going to look at this um, a little bit further as we go through. But it's important to note at this stage that we're all born in sin and God only makes two distinctions, those that are saved, those that are lost. There is no in-between. There is no one foot in either camp. Only one or the other. I'd like to move on and like to look at the task that God had for Noah, the task that God had for Noah. Read of the task there in verse 14. And I'm sure we've all picked up on it the way through. As I said, God was looking for a man to do his task. And he, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Noah was willing, and gave Noah this task. I'll read down through. It says, um, in t- verse 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room, room shalt thou make in the ark, and pitch, within and without, with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it, of the length, of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make in the ark, and a cubit shall finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with the lower and second and third stories. Thou make it. Noah had a massive task, or God had a massive task for Noah. Noah was not a boat builder. Um, I can't tell you what Noah done. People would speculate that he was a farmer. But uh, I can't tell you for sure what Noah done. But what I can tell you was he was not a boat builder. And even if he was, he would have never, ever taken on a challenge like this before. It says the ark was 300 cubits by 50 cubits by 30 cubits. That's 137.6 meters long by 22.8 meters wide and 13.7 meters high. But thankfully, God did not give Noah the task and say, get on with that. I'll see you later. God gave Noah a task, but he gave him every means to accomplish that task. Noah was not a boat builder, but God told him exactly how he was going to build it. He told him the dimensions that we needed to make the boat so that he could be rescued from this fate that was to come. He told him what the boat was to be made of, gopher wood. He told him how to waterproof it, that he was to put pitch on the outside and pitch on the inside. And he was to put a window in the ark and he was to put a door in the ark. God gave him instructions. What a wonderful thought tonight to know that, believer, that God does not give us a task to do and then leaves us to our own devices. And this is only something that a believer, those that are saved in the meeting tonight, can have because God walks with them and talks with them. And you know the Bible we learned on Wednesday night in the prayer meeting the man that was taken, it says, and, and I can only quote, I haven't checked it for myself, but he says there's 366 promises in the Bible. And many of those promises God gives us for our tasks. Things like, I will go before thee, I will never, never leave thee or forsake thee. Wonderful promises God gives us. You know, God also gave Noah another task. And it says in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, And I spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. 
Noah was given a second task. Noah was given a task of telling the world of the impending doom that was coming. The Bible is clearly stated here that God is going to destroy the world with a flood. That every man and beast that is not in that place of refuge inside that ark is going to be destroyed. The world is going to be torn asunder by God's judgment. And unless people are in the ark, they're not going to be saved. And this is what Noah was told to witness. If you thought building the ark was a hard task, I'm sure this task of witnessing was even harder. You know, we often talk nowadays of how hard it is to talk to people about Christ. And yet here is Noah found in a world by himself, and yet he's doing this task for the Lord. He's living in a violent world, so it wouldn't have been a a safe task to do. But he preached the gospel. Even in the very building of the ship, I'm sure he encountered questions on a daily basis. What are you doing now, Noah? Because to this world it seemed foolishness that Noah was building this ark. And Noah would have told them, if you don't get into the ark, you're going to perish. God has given each believer here tonight a task to do. And that task is no different from Noah's, in that we're told to witness for him. The world is full of men and women who are going to a lost eternity, who are going to destruction if they do not get inside the ark, as it were. I wonder, are you doing that task for the Lord? You might say, well, I'm not a preacher. I can understand that. I'm not a preacher. I'm not saying you have to get up here. I'm not a children's worker. I'm not an evangelist, and that's fine. But we're still required to tell our neighbors and friends of the judgment that is to come. You see, we are saved from our sins. We're secure. We're already inside the ark, and we'll look at that, what it means to be inside the ark a little later. We know the judgment that is coming to this world. Why would we not warn them of what's to come? Why would we not try and get them into the ark? It is up to us to witness. It says in Mark 16 and verse 15 and 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. Are you telling men and women that they need to be saved or to be condemned? I'll leave that with you. Tonight, if you're in this meeting and you're not saved, we've already established that everybody is born in sin. That everybody is born with sin in their hearts and that sin separates us from God. And that sin keeps us from God. You know, what we're doing tonight is no different from what Noah done. We're here tonight to tell you of a Savior that loves you. If you're not a believer in this service tonight, if you've not asked him for salvation, then you're separated from him. And all we're simply doing tonight through his word, it's not what I say, through his word, is telling you how you can escape that destruction that is to come. You know... There's a book in heaven, we find and read of it in, uh, in Revelation, and it's called The Lamb's Book of Life. And it says of that book, it says, if your name is not written in that Lamb's Book of Life, that you will be cast into the lake of fire. You see, when we die and we leave this world, and we go to face, our God, or go to face God, we will, be, um, we will be judged. 
And when God looks on us, he'll not look to see whether we're a good person or a bad person. As I say, there's only two types of people he want to know are we saved or we lost. And in that book is written every single name of everybody that has asked Jesus to save them and take away their sins. My name is in that book. At the age of 18, I asked the Lord Jesus into my heart to save me. And on that very second, my name was wrote into that book. When you meet God, he, that book will be opened up and they will look for your name. And if your name is not in that book, you will be cast, as they say, into the lake of fire. I wonder tonight, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about meeting God? Have you ever thought about standing before him? Have you ever thought what that will mean? Maybe you look at me tonight and you'll say, God is a God of love. He couldn't do that. Yes, God is a, lo- a God of love. And that is why tonight God offers you his free mercy to turn to him and to ask him for salvation. You ask me, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, a more well-known passage of scripture and a well, more well-known story is the, is the Easter story, the story of Jesus Christ. You see, we're all born in sin. That sin that separates us from God and that sin problem has to be dealt with. But God created a way that that sin could be dealt with. And he sent his son, Jesus, into the world to save sinners. He was born in a manger. He lived his life. And in the end, he went to the cross to die for you. He went to the cross to take the punishment of your sin. When Christ died on the cross in that dark, that dark, those dark hours, he bore the sins for every man and woman that would ask him to save them. So that when God looks upon us, if we are a believer, if we are saved, he doesn't see us, he sees his son. He sees the forgiveness of his son or the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. There is only one way to get to heaven and that is to have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your life. There is no other way. You know, I think of a verse, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That tells us to tee what it means. There's a free gift that God freely offers tonight. But if you do not accept of that, 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 that gift, the other side to that is death and hell's destruction. Are you going to accept of God's free gift of salvation tonight? Do you realize you're a sinner and you need that offer of salvation and that free gift to be reunited with God, to spend eternity with God in heaven? I want to look at lastly at the finality of the ark. Believer, I want to do something maybe a little bit different tonight. I want you to draw a picture in your own mind. We all know what the ark looks at. It's been described there to us. I want you to visualize that in your mind tonight. As a believer, as those that are saved, you are already in the ark. That ark is a representation of Christ. You see, when we're born again, we're in Christ that ark is a representation of him. When you're born again, you're in Christ. We're in the ark because we're saved. The final call has not come. I wonder where you're standing in the ark. The ark has a window. Are you standing at the window tonight looking out at a world that's, that's lost? 
Are you standing at the door pleading for men and women to come into the ark? Telling them of the judgment that is to come. Telling them that someday they will stand before God and face his judgment. Are you content to stand at the window and look out? Should we not all be standing in the door of the ark? Looking out and pleading for men and women to come in? I call this last point the finality of the ark. You see, there's coming a day when one day God will shut the door of the ark. Noah did not shut the ark. Noah preached the gospel and told men and women until God shut the door that they need to be saved. He did not choose that, I'll retire now, I've finished my work. He did not choose to stop witnessing. God shut the door, and that was his opportunity of witnessing God. Whoever was in the ark at that stage was in the ark. Whoever wasn't, wasn't. The day will come when God shuts the door. I wonder, are you taking full advantage of the day and the opportunity we've got to reach others for Christ? Lastly, I want to talk to the unsaved. I have done my best tonight through Scripture to show you that we're born in sin. I'm not going to repeat myself over. I've shown you, I hope, the way of salvation. I hope I've shown you that there is absolutely no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. I want you too to look at the ark tonight. I want you to visualize it in your own head. Unlike the saved, you're not in the ark. If you haven't asked God to save you, you're standing outside the ark. You need to be in the ark. You see, God, as I say, will shut that door at some point. And when God shuts that door, it's too late. You can never get into the ark. And it doesn't matter how good you are, how kind you are. Remember, there's only two people, those that are saved and those that will be lost. Are you in the ark? That could happen in many ways. The Lord could take you from the scene of time by an accident, by an illness, or whatever the case may be. But we also read in this passage that the Lord says, My spirit shall not always strive with man. There could come a point in your life where the Lord says, I have called him or her too many times, and I'm not calling them again. This is the day of opportunity. This is the day of grace. This is the day that God has offered you to get into the ark. I wonder you come and come into the ark. You say, I'm not, I haven't made the decision yet. When that door is shut, there's only two sides to that door, the inside or the outside. You can't be halfway or in or out. I wonder where you're going to be found tonight. I finish with a verse, and it is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, and it says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening. We'll just close in prayer before we sing one other hymn. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that, Lord, that you have given us a clear message here in the life of Noah. You've given us a clear message to show that there is only two types of people, those that are the saved and those that are lost. But Lord, we thank you that you are a merciful God. We thank you for your son Jesus who you sent to this world to be that, um, Lord, that person that we can come to directly and ask to save us. Lord, that we can fix that broken bond between you because of sin. We can fix that broken bond. And Lord, the Lord Jesus takes that sin away. And Lord, we thank you for that provision. Lord, we just pray tonight 
Lord, that you would speak in this service. Lord, I don't want my words to be heard. Lord, I want your scripture to be heard. I want to, Lord, and I know you will speak through your word. Lord, we just leave every man and woman in this meeting tonight before you. And Lord, we just pray that even some tonight may turn to you for salvation. Amen. We're just going to close our meeting by singing a hymn. It's hymn 314. Hymn 314, O sinner, the Saviour is calling for you. This is a hymn of invitation. The Saviour is calling for you. Are you going to accept him? O turn while the Saviour in mercy is waiting. Steer for the harbour light, for how do you know that your soul is not drifting over God's deadline tonight? We'll stand to sing.